Welcome back to a special episode of this Cycling Tips podcast. Now, earlier this week when we released the regular episode, Kaylee mentioned a interview with Kuhn Decourt of Trek Segafredo that Jose Bain did earlier in the month. We weren't able to slot it into the episode as it got a little bit long, but it's an incredible interview and Kuhn is a very likable character. We wanted to throw this interview into its own episode so that people could listen to it. So in case you want a little bit more context, the interview itself is up on cyclingtips.com, which you can check out. I've also linked it into the show notes of this episode, so you can check it out. Just scroll down, hit that link. Kuhn had a really unfortunate accident with a four-wheeler slash dune buggy slash some kind of driving contraption and lost three of his fingers. So that's kind of the context of the interview. And Jose chatted with Kuhn about the accident, his very long career, and what's next for him. So enjoy this interview with Kuhn Decourt. We have, as Trek Sigafredo announced it, telecom favorite Kuhn de Kort. Kuhn, what do you think about that word, telecom favorite? Do you feel yourself like a favorite of the telecom? Uh, yeah, wow, good question. It's obviously not a, not a bad title to get, um, so there's, there's no complaints there. Uh, you know, I, I think I've got a lot of friends in the peloton, so, so hopefully, hopefully that's, a, that's a correct description. How, how, how did you... If I look back at your results, the first result I could find is 1999. <laughs> That's another millennium. How do you look back on on all those years on the bike? Yes, well, um, it, it's it's been a long time for sure. That, that's that's definitely true. Uh, I still uh, still remember obviously starting cycling because of the uh, of the Tour de France starting in Saint Augustus in '96. Um, so that's when I really first. Um, so sort of bicycle as, as, a, as, a, as a sport, you know, growing up in the Netherlands, uh, as you know, obviously, you know, you ride your bike to school and to the shops, etc. But uh, yeah, I never really saw it as a sport, but, for, but from 96, I did. And, um, and I fell in love with it very quickly. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a very long time. It's taken me all over the world. It's, uh, it's, it's given me lots of uh, success and, and, uh, and and great times, so um, lots of uh, incredible memories. And uh, now it's uh, now now it's time uh, to transition into the to the next phase. But um, yeah, hopefully I'll still be able to use the bicycle as a, a as a way to stay active, but but not anymore to to actually race. Yeah, of course. I have to ask you about the accident that that happened to you. Can you describe what happened on that day? Yeah, so we, uh, I was driving with with two other friends. We were all in our own uh, buggies, so um, with uh, like uh, off road vehicles. And um, in in Andorra, you, they they can take you to incredible places where you have amazing views over the mountains, etc. And uh, we were just driving to uh, this really nice ski lodge where you can have uh, where you can have lunch and um, this. Uh, is a is a place where you can't get with the with the car or anything with a normal car and uh, 
yeah, I, uh, I, I drove, I, I can't really remember exactly what happened, but uh, I, uh, it, it rolled uh, and uh, somehow I, I must have uh, managed to get my hand outside of the vehicle and, uh, and between the roll cage and the ground when it, when it rolled. And uh, yeah, just, uh, I just remember looking at my hand and, and being quite shocked. And, and that says a lot because, well, you've been part of the peloton and you've had your crashes. Did you know yeah. already that it was very, very serious? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the way that I, that I saw my hand and, uh, the, you know, the way that my, my fingers were kind of hanging loose, it's, it, was a, it, was a, it was a very severe, uh, severe injury. So obviously at the beginning, I had to hope that maybe they, they could still fix it, but but I, in my mind, I kind of knew that it, that it was that it was really really bad, and that you know this was going to be something that was it's going to affect the rest of my life. How how did you get down the mountain? Who who helped you to a hospital? How did you get there? Um, yeah, it was actually very quick. Um, a uh, helicopter took me to Barcelona very very quickly. So um, I uh, I was brought there. Um, yeah, by helicopter, then operated as soon as I got there. So it was all, um, yeah, that, that's, that day, like from, from uh, just before uh, I, I rolled the, the buggy until the next day is kind of a blur that I don't really remember too much from. I think probably part of a shock, but, um, but yeah, I, I, just, uh, I just remember waking up and thinking, all right, so I guess that's it, you know. Uh, there's going to be two fingers on my right hand from here on out. Uh, was that also the first question you asked the surgeon? Could you save my hand? Uh, yes. Yeah, I was directly also in, in contact with the, with the team doctors and um, uh, especially uh, team doctor Manuel Rodriguez. He, uh, I, I, I called him basically directly after the accident happened and uh, he spoke to the people in the ambulances, in the helicopter and uh, he spoke to the specialist when I arrived there, so uh, he was uh, he he was also keeping me uh, me informed, and it was nice to have someone there that that I trust who who was part of the process with me. So um, that 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 really took a lot away from me. But yeah, it was uh, it, it was pretty clear from from the start that the, the specialist straight away said like uh, you've got a, a severe chance uh, of of losing three fingers. Of course, the, the news comes out and there is this huge outpouring of support. Did, did you see everything on the social media? Because everybody was, was so shocked that this happened to you. Yeah, um, I, I have to say I haven't, I haven't really seen all of it, especially from the first day or two. Um, there's still messages on my phone from the first few days that I, I still haven't, haven't seen or um, it's, it kind of takes me back to a moment I want to leave behind now. So um, a lot of people are now or have sent like a second or third message. And then I see that they actually did send a message that first day, but I haven't actually gone back and, and look at most of them. And, and especially also the, the social media, you know, it wasn't really the first thing on my mind wasn't really you know, checking social media and checking my messages um, it, it's great. It's 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 absolutely amazing to get all this support. Like, don't get me wrong. I was, I'm I'm super happy to to see that you know I've apparently affected so many people's lives that they 
they feel they need to support me in, in a, when it's a hard time for me. And, and that was, that's amazing. And, and, you know, um, gives me a lot of strength. Of course, we are a couple of months later. Um, it takes time to, to digest something that happens. When was the moment that you think, okay, uh, this is it. We have to look towards the future. How much time does that take mentally? Um, probably a couple of days. Um, Only a couple of days? Yes. Yeah. I mean, the first few days... Uh, I, I could only just think about, you know, just just terrible things about like what I couldn't do anymore or how this is going to change me as a person, etc. How it was going to define me. Um, so, you know, I was just listening to to podcasts uh, 24-7. Just, uh, you know, if I could sleep, I slept. If I was awake, I didn't have to think. Uh, so, I was just keeping my brain occupied to not have to think. Um, but uh, But after a few days, I... I already started to think, you know, like I, I still have the two most important fingers and you know, I can actually still do quite a lot. And, and it turns out that I can do at home now, like uh, you know, as soon as I left hospital, that was another step um, because then I got home and then, you know, you know, you got to figure out what you can still do. But it, it turns out I can actually still do pretty much everything here. You know, there's, I, 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 I can cook dinner, I can cut everything even with my right hand i can still write i i can you know type i, I used 10 finger type now it's seven fingers there, there's this small adaptations you know um but, but it's 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 not it's not that, that there's really a lot of things that i that i find now that i really can't do it's it's more just adapting to be able to do it again is that maybe a mindset from from the cycling? Because you know, as a cyclist, you crash and then you have to get back up again. Did you go into that same kind of mode? Okay, this happened. We have to continue and and see how how fast I can go back to to where I came from. Yes, yeah, I think so. I think uh, definitely um, as soon as you crash or something happens, you you just try to get back as soon as you can. You know, the focus is on healing and. And the focus is definitely on, on healing for me at the moment. And at first it was, you know, leaving the hospital. Then, you know, I was just fully focused on healing as quickly as I can so I could leave the hospital. Then left, leaving the hospital, obviously, it was a few tough days where, you know, all right, I'm out of hospital. So what do I do now? How, how What's the next step? And, you know, now the next step is just like trying to make sure all the wounds are healed, trying to make sure that, I can use the two fingers that I have left and, and the, the, the hand as much as I can. So, you know, I can do as many things as possible for the future. So that's now, that's now the, the, the next step again. Um, so I, I just try to have sort of like smaller goals that I can work towards. Um, and, you know, there's, there's definitely still hard moments and um, it's, it's not, it's not only, you know, looking positively towards the future there's there's some moments that i i still doubt and and i and 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 it's and it's hard and i'm i'm a bit, a bit sad about everything that's happened but in general you know it's just looking forward and you know also getting a a, a great job for with, with a team and, and track for that helps a lot for the future so you know that's something that i'm really looking forward to to work hard towards so I can I can have that bit as well and um, it's it's I think it's definitely a mindset and you know, 
I think I've always been a person that's pretty positive and always wants to make the most out of every situation. And, and, um, and I guess that, that helps me a bit now as well. Can you still make a, a foam latte? Yes. Yes. I would definitely <laughs> still be able to, um, as I said, everything's, everything's just adaptations, you know, it's, it, I might have to use the left hand a bit more than what I used to, but, um, uh, I, I, you know, I, I was already thinking like, how am I ever going to throw a ball again? But then I was visiting my sister and was throwing a ball with my nephew and I have to throw a ball with my left hand, but turns out you can throw a ball with your left hand as well, you know? So, uh, it's, it's, it's just adaptations, which it takes a little while to get used to, but, but, but then it's also possible. Because I'm asking, of course, because you have your own cafe in Andorra. Is that also part of your future plans? Um, I was always just excited to have the cafe and I'm still excited to, to have the cafe, but um, the, the main focus is definitely going to be on my job with, with track and, um, uh, and, and being part of the cafe. It was always more of a management uh, side management role. Uh, we have uh, great employees that, that don't really need me to uh, help them in the kitchen or help, help them make lattes, but, now and then when it's busy, I, I have made lattes in the past and have cleared tables of dirty dishes or served out some food or some cakes. But I'm pretty sure I can still cut off a piece of cake and make a latte and, and hand them out to people. Um, I don't think my employees need me to be a chef in the kitchen. And, and, and even that, if I wanted to, I'm pretty sure I would still be able to. But uh, no, there's, there's no need for that. Your, your job at Trek is, is clearly very exciting. It was, it was clear from the press release that it was. Uh, what is the thing what you look forward most in your new role? And, and what is your new role going to be for the people who missed it? Yes, yeah, so um, it's, uh, it's, they, call, they call it uh, Team Support Manager. Um, we take over because uh, Glenn Laven, uh, one of the best mechanics I've ever worked with, one of the mechanics I've had have dealt with a lot over the years that I've been with, with track and now we're taking over the role together from, uh, from uh, Matt Shriver, who, uh, who was the, the, um, the technical manager. And, uh, it's, it's just kind of being the connection between the equipment sponsors, um, with obviously track being the biggest one, but, but we've got a lot more equipment sponsors and the team. So, uh, we need to make sure that the, the products are tested properly and that also the opinion and the feedback from the riders gets taken to the equipment sponsor. So um, we, uh, we as a team can have the best, uh, the best products or the best developments, but uh, also the, uh, the equipment sponsors can, uh, can um, develop the best products because of the feedback that they have from the team. You know, it's, it's a, it's a track factory racing team, which, you know, and they have this team, especially because then they can get feedback on new developments by some of the best riders in the world. And, um, and, and it's a, it's an important, it's important position to be there and be that connection between the two. So I think for me, that gives the excitement to be part of cycling of the team, be part of the sport and, um, you know, go to races and, uh, and hopefully be part of, of winning races, but also uh, have the corporate side of it and, you know, have to make sure that, you know, we sell 
a lot of bikes and we give the best uh, customer service. Um, so I think the combination between the two is what I was always really looking forward to be able to do. And, and I'm super happy to, to get. Um, of course, I, I can imagine you, you had already thought about ending your career this year, but in my mind, it probably would have been in Roubaix. Um, are you going to transition into this role straight away or will it, will it be next year? No, I'm definitely going to, uh, to transition straight away this week. Um, I've already, uh, done some things uh, for, for this role and, uh, we have, uh, some more meetings coming up and then, uh, I've got, a. Before uh, we officially take over in November, I've just got to uh, go to as many uh, races and as many places as I can to learn a lot from Matt Shriver, who is currently still in the role. So um, I learned how to do things because, uh, you know, in November, Glenn and I are on our own and then we are responsible. So uh, I think it's wise to start to learn from him as much as we can uh, straight away. Is that something you dread being at a race for the first time again in this different role, or is it something you look forward to? No, I'm looking forward to it now. Um, obviously, straight after the accident, I, you know, I wanted to just disappear and I didn't want to see anyone. But uh, then uh, I already had um, family and and friends visiting me at the at the hospital, and you know, just uh, trying to be uh, as open as I can about it. And um, now I'm also looking forward to going back to, to races and especially the support that I have received from, from the team, um, but also from lots of other riders outside of the team who were never teammates before, but they, they sent me messages and, uh, and, and gave me a lot of support. I'm looking forward to seeing all of them again, and, and I'm really excited to still be part of cycling. Um, of course, your career has ended, so it's also time to look back at your career, which has been long uh you haven't won you haven't won much races but you were important in winning many races what are, what are your best memories from all these years yeah um I, i think uh what i've always enjoyed is is um making sure that teams work really well together and you know helping helping riders win uh i think uh some of my best memories are probably some of the bunch sprint wins that we we achieved with marcel kittel Uh, back in the the skill Shimano uh, and uh, uh, Argos uh, etc these teams um, these uh, these were um, great great memories where I think as as a team we really were more than just all the individual riders and I hope you know that that was for some part because of uh, of my influence. Um, then uh, some other great memories are with with John Dagenkop, who's obviously uh, always also a great uh, teammate and also an amazing friend who's already visited me at my at my house here um, uh, in in uh, in the last week. So it's it was great to be part of uh, of him winning Roubaix, uh, of him winning San Remo, and um, and of him winning even the Roubaix stage in the Tour de France with Trek. I got some great memories of that as well. And and personal memories like the races where you did really well because of course there've been there've been great personal results as well. Yeah, I th- what I what I feel um is that I, I was I was not very often focused on getting my own results. So the good feelings that I have about about the races are you know when I did a great lead out for instance or 
when I feel like I made a difference. Uh, listeners will, of course, pick up that slight hint of an Australian accent uh, that you have. Uh, how did you end up with that one? Yes, I, I've always loved going to Australia. So, you know, when I turned professional, um, my, my first team with Liberty Seguros, I had two Australian teammates, Alan Davis and, and Aaron Kemps. And um, when I when I met them, they just said, like, oh, why don't you go over to uh, to Australia and, you know, uh, train with us in the off season. So I went over and stayed with Aaron Kemps and, you know, did that for the first few years. Um, and then uh, actually uh, found uh, found an Australian girl that I uh, that I eventually married. So that uh, meant I spent a lot of time in Australia. Unfortunately, that uh, that marriage ended. But uh, yeah, I still uh, I still went back to Australia as, as often as I could. But now with the COVID situation, I haven't been able to. But I still have lots of Australian friends that I speak to very regularly on the phone. So I guess that's where the the accent still comes from. Do you have any any plans or dreams to maybe move to Australia one day? I I would love to one day be able to end up in Australia and you know live in Australia. Um, for now, with, uh, with especially accepting this role and staying in in the sport of cycling, that's uh, uh, that's a bit of a, a long term idea, but uh, but it's something that I definitely have still in mind for for the probably a little bit more distant future. If you look at all these years in the peloton, Kuhn, what is the biggest change you've seen in these, well, 20-odd years? Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of uh, small changes. I think it changed cycling quite a lot when I first turned professional. I mean, we, we used power meters, but I was just like really the beginning of it. Um, you now I remember lots of races uh, where we didn't even have power meters or we didn't have power meters on time trial bikes and stuff like that. But um so i think it's just become a lot more scientific you know where at first it was just you know, trained a little bit with a power meter and mostly on heart rate and uh and uh you know we'll see you at races to um you know where everything is kind of controlled uh, by the trainers and by the teams and you know the the differences are are very much in the details so i think that's where a big change has come where you know um, it's it's very important to to train well because it's you can simulate races really well um, and and it's probably often better to prepare for races training than it is racing which was definitely the case when I first turned pro so uh, I think this this full scientific uh, uh, sort of approach to it has changed cycling um, uh, drastically. And if you could go back to uh, first year junior Kuhn all the way back in 1999, what would be the most important advice you would give that 18-year-old kid? I think just uh, enjoy what you're doing. I think that's that's been super important for me. Uh, and and I think I um, I, I picked up um, pretty pretty early. You know, I, I've had a long career because I also enjoy what I do. Um, uh, maybe uh, if I... Uh, if I've done di things differently, uh, maybe I'd won more races or maybe I'd never won any race, but my career would have been much shorter. It's, uh, it's difficult to know, but, uh, but I'm really, uh, really happy with, with my career and how it's eventually worked out. Um, and, uh, and I've had a lot of, uh, 
I've really enjoyed really enjoyed cycling and I've you know made lots of unforgettable memories and some great friends and I'm uh, I'm proud of that and and you know I if I if I do it all over again I I hope I could do the same thing including what happened to you on the, on that buggy probably I would have told, told myself don't 24th of June 2021 don't don't get in that buggy <laughs> okay well it, much respect for your resilience uh, Kuhn and I'm, I'm sure you have a fantastic future in the peloton with all the experience that you have um, thanks for taking the time and um, well we'll see you at the races yeah thank you very much I'm sure we will speak to each other again and uh, in a somewhat of a different way but still will be uh, would be nice to keep speaking to you well, I have one more question. Um, how excited are you with uh, about working with the women's team? I think it's great. I mean, uh, with with uh, Matt uh, in the role previously and him just being by himself, I think it was uh, it was a little bit too much for him at times, and uh, he had to uh, um, you know pick things that he could do because of of time limitations. So having two people in this role now will give us uh, more opportunities to. To go into details and uh, with the men and the women's team, where I think we we can uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, approach both teams a little bit a little bit better. So I'm I'm really excited to to also help the women's team uh, uh, improve and and you know uh, stay or become the best in the world. I would say stay the best in the world. <laughs> is there is there big big changes that you already have in mind that need to be made, or is the level already quite professional? No, I think the the, the level is, is is very professional. Um, I mean, I think I think our women's team is is great. Just the way they approach everything is really good. But uh, there's obviously um, some things that that can be improved from a from an equipment side. I mean, it's uh, I think there are some women specific things, but also some things that. Um, are, are for both men and women's team that that uh, that can be done better. I think the first thing that uh, that we need to do is just uh, listen to uh, to the men and women of the of the cycling teams and uh, and figure out what uh, what they would like to improve and then uh, get to work. Thank you, Koen. And yeah, we'll see you again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Graag gedaan. We spreken elkaar zeker. Okay. Bye bye. Doei. Doei.